name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus will enter Jerusalem tomorrow to great fanfare, but he knows what's coming, even as those who are closest to him refuse to see or acknowledge it. Jesus is a wanted man. Just prior to today's passage, we're told the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know so they could arrest him. This arrest warrant was triggered by Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. When Lazarus came back to life and stumbled out of his tomb, the word about Jesus spread even further than it already had. This was Jesus' most incredible miracle yet, the defeat of death itself. As more began to believe, others began to fear. Before Lazarus could even change out of his burial clothes, the Pharisees had begun their plot to have Jesus killed, believing that if they didn't act, the Romans would destroy everything that they held dear. And it wasn't like the religious leaders could claim it never happened. There were lots of witnesses. Those who had come to be with Mary and Martha in their grief saw the whole thing. And Lazarus is living proof, which means his life is in danger as well. It is in the resulting emergency meeting of the religious leaders that Caiaphas famously says, it is better that one man die than that the whole nation be destroyed. The very act of giving life to Lazarus is the catalyst that will lead to Jesus' death. Jesus, knowing all of this, begins his journey to Jerusalem. But first, he stops in Bethany to visit his dearest friends. We don't know how Lazarus, Mary, and Martha came to be Jesus' close friends, but we know that their love for one another was great. And we also know that when we are in danger or pain, we long for someone to sit with us, to accept us as we are, to comfort us just by being there. Someone who will not give us platitudes and tell us everything will be all right, but will share in our pain without trying to manage it or fix it. Such was the friendship that Jesus had with these siblings. So his friends take him in and care for him, shutting out the world that is bearing down on Jesus, at least for this one night. The family invites friends and hosts a celebratory meal. Lazarus entertains Jesus and the guests at table. It must have been quite a surreal experience for those present to have Lazarus, so recently dead, serving as host. Don't you know these folks had a million questions they wanted to ask him, but dared not in Jesus' presence. Martha, true to form, prepares a feast for them. Mary has slipped off, as Mary so often does. Martha has given up 
on trying to rope Mary into helping with the domestic tasks. Mary seems to operate on a different plane, and her thoughts always seem to be elsewhere. But then Mary enters the room holding a jar. Wordless, she kneels at Jesus' feet and breaks the jar's neck. The smell of spikenard fills the room. The conversations and the activities taper into silence. And all eyes are on Mary. And she puts on a scandalous display. She loosens her hair in a room full of men, something an honorable woman never does. She pours the perfume on Jesus' feet and touches him. A single woman rubbing a single man's feet. Also not done. And then she wipes his feet with her hair. A bizarre end to a bizarre act. It's extravagant. It's uncomfortable. And it's excessive, as Judas is quick to point out. He is so discomfited by this display of devotion, so convicted of his own lack of devotion, that he cannot help but speak into this tender scene. Why wasn't this perfume sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor? But Jesus quickly brushes his objection aside. Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. Whatever anyone else in the room thinks, Jesus takes this act as a message from God. This is not the weird ministrations of a friend who's always behaved a bit outside the lines. This is a carefully performed act of a prophet. The air is dense with death. Lazarus, newly raised and still carrying the whiff of death. Judas, who will soon betray Jesus unto death and then will take his own life. The circling threat of death for not only Jesus, but for Lazarus. While at first there may have been some doubt about whose death was imminent, Mary's prophetic act revealed the truth. Mary was anointing Jesus for burial. And while her behavior may have seemed strange to those witnessing her actions, they are no more strange than that of the prophets that went before her. Ezekiel eating the scroll of the Lord as a sign that he carried the word of God around inside of him. Jeremiah smashing a clay jar to show God's judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. Isaiah walking around barefoot and naked for three years as an oracle to the nations. Prophets do things like that. They act out. They act out the truth that others cannot or will not see, and those standing around them either write them off as nuts or fall silent before the disturbing news that they bring from God. 
When Mary moved toward Jesus, dropped to her knees, and poured that perfumed ointment on his feet, that could mean only one thing. The only man who got his feet anointed was a dead man, and Jesus knew it. Leave her alone, he said to those who would have prevented her. Let her finish delivering the message. Mary's act is not only a prophetic action, it is also a, reflect, a reflection of her great love and gratitude for Jesus. She is grateful for his teaching and for the love that he has shown her and her family. And she is incalculably grateful that he has literally given her brother new life and returned him to her and her sister. She has always sat at his feet in love and adoration, and she continues to do so this night. Mary's extravagant display of love for Jesus will make it possible for Jesus to show extravagant love in the days to come. In a few days, at another banquet, around another supper table, with many of the same folks present, Jesus will strip, tie a towel around his waist, and wash his disciples' feet. Then he will give them a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And as Jesus works on their feet, some will remember Mary bending over his feet in like fashion. They will remember the prophet Mary who knew how to respond to Jesus without being told. The one who acted out his last new commandment before he ever spoke it. As Jesus enters Jerusalem in the events of the last week of his life, he will carry with him the memory, the scent of this love and devotion even as he carries the weight of his prophesied journey to the cross. Mary rubs Jesus' feet with perfume so precious that its sale might have fed a poor family for a year. It's an act so lavish it suggests another layer to her prophecy. There will be nothing economical about Jesus' death just as there has been nothing economical about his life. In him, the extravagance of God's love is circumscribed by flesh. In him, the excessiveness of God's mercy is made manifest. Jesus' life will not be held back, protected, and admired this precious gift will not be saved. It will be opened, offered, and used at great price. It will be raised up and poured out so that we too would know God's great love and devotion. Amen. Amen.